Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. About the book I talk, Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, Andrew Gillis. It was offensive line day, and we talked with I think the only guy who's not in a position to either be a starter or in a battle to start that we didn't talk to today were freshman Luke Montgomery, which is pretty on brand because we never get the true freshman, and Matthew Jones. I think those are the only two guys as far as who's in the conversation of who might be amongst Ohio State starting offensive line issue that we didn't talk to. But the most important name of the day, and this is this is the first time we've gotten a chance to talk with sit with him since he's been on Ohio State's campus. Nathan, we talked with Jimmy Simmons. First of all, the most important thing. Is it Josh and is it Jimmy? And why is it either of the or? Because I got other answers from other people, but from his mouth, why is it Jimmy or Josh? Well, even from him his mouth, I don't know. I got a defensive answer. It's it's <laughs> I it's he wants to be called Jimmy on the field, but I think he wants us to call him Josh because his name is Josh. Jimmy is kind of like a, it's like Josh Simmons, like Jimmins. It's like, that's where that comes from, mm. I think. Uh, so I think I'm probably just going to call him Josh until uh, we're formally ordered not to do so. I think it's still going to say Josh on the roster. Jimmy, it's more about, they need to, they need to call him something besides, like they've got Josh Fryer, Joshua Padilla, Josh mm-hmm. Mickens. Uh, Josh Proctor. There's just Josh's all over the place on this team. So on the field, he's Jimmy. In in our discussions, I think we should probably just stick with Josh. Yeah, Justin Simmons. Fry gave Simmons is the important part. Yeah, that's the important part. Justin Fry said Josh, Joshua Padilla is just Dilla. And then Josh Fryer is just Josh. And that's probably because he's the longest standing Josh in the room. Yeah. And that's where Jimmy came from because there were just so many Joshes in that room. So now that we've gotten that figured out, we put in quotations because it really wasn't figured out because we're going to get Day again and he's going to emphatically tell us we should call him Jimmy. He's been moving around. He came in here starting out as the second team right tackle. And then by the time we saw practice again a week later, he was a starting left tackle. Just what did he have to say about for a guy who didn't have a spring anywhere, didn't really have a summer and showed up here in the fall camp and has put himself in a position where regardless of what side he's starting on, it looks like he's probably going to be a starting tackle for Ohio State. 
Yeah, the question was posed to him, like, does this feel like a whirlwind? And he said, yeah. I mean, he got here in May. It's really, you know, what's that, three months? Um, I think it seems even mm-hmm. shorter than that for him as, as to how quickly this has progressed. And really, I thought some of the most enlightening things were not really from him as much. It's from other people talking about him. It's the great thing about these days is what you can learn about other players from the guys lining up against them or sometimes the guys lining up across from them. Because I thought we got some good intel on some of the, the defensive linemen today too. But you know, Josh Fryer said that there wasn't really a period of acclimation for him. He thought there was like maybe a couple days and then he just felt like an Ohio State offensive lineman. And that I think is important because you've got a guy who's still pretty young. He was only a redshirt freshman last year at San Diego State. It is a lower level of football, even though he was recruited by Power Fives coming out of high school. That's still a transition he had to make. And to so quickly prove himself and just kind of be able to adapt and and um and, and become part of the room, I thought, so quickly was an, an important thing to hear. And we'd already kind of heard that over the summer. But then even just these last few days in camp, Fryer was telling the story that I think maybe he had seen something on film that impressed him. And then he saw him on the first day of camp go up and like stick a linebacker at the second level. And he was like, all right, well, that's here we go. Like he can do that. And and Enoch Vamahi had some uh, a lot of good things to say about Simmons, too, just in terms of his uh, how freaky athleticism, I think he called it, that they think that they got someone here who um, the technique and everything is there, too. But there is maybe some of that special talent that you expect from an Ohio State level recruit. So people are are talking about him in in very favorable ways. And you're trying to find that that difference between is a guy, is it because they're talking about the guy because somebody has to do it or is he really impressed? And you're hearing it from enough places at this point to think that he really has shown them something that added an element to this mix that that maybe raised the ceiling for what this offensive line can be this year. I'm not saying like skyrocketed the ceiling, but I'm just saying made this what is going to eventually be the five-person starting unit even better than it would have been without it. Donovan Jackson was talking about how there have been times where this defensive line, they've tried to bull rush him and he'll just like stand them straight up. Like it's nothing. Like it's not even that big of a deal to him. And that's probably been the most, his strength has been the most impressive thing. That's one side of the tackle coin. The other side of that, Andrew, is Josh Fryer. And obviously he was talking a lot about, you know, Jimmy Simmons, but also he was getting asked while I was over there for a little bit about that transition of, you know, you spent most of your career at right tackle. And then you spend the last nine months at left tackle, and then now you're back at right tackle. What what else did Josh Fryer have to say about what these last nine months have been like for him? Well, he mentioned you know part of the you know the benefit to all of this for for him and for everybody else is cross training. You know that is something that you know when you when you talk about an offensive lineman being versatile is a really valuable skill. You know because obviously we mentioned you know do they want to mix and match? Do they want to do this? You know th- there's a lot of kind of there's a lot of debate there, and, and I think reasonable minds can disagree if you want to move around a lot of different positions. But, you know, one of the things that he was talking about was that just that really kind of made him well-rounded. Um, you know, he talked about, you know, like you mentioned, uh, Simmons, J.S., however we want to we have, we want to refer to him. Um, you know, he talked about his athleticism kind of showing through um, really early. You know, he thought that um, 
you know, he thought that, you know, that was one of the first things that he noticed. And that was one of the first things that flashed for him was, was how athletic he is. So, you know, he, he talked about that and, and kind of in, in his eyes, he sees the left tackle as a position that, you know, you need to be a little bit more athletic and he kind of cracked a joke, you know, right tackles are a little bit underrated and, uh, you know, they're, um, uh, you know, he, people don't value them as highly as they should, which I mean, he was joking, but he's right. Uh, especially in today's kind of college landscape and today's football landscape across high school to pro, you know, right tackles are very, very valuable just considering how much teams pass the ball. Um, you know, so th- there were a couple different things that he kind of talked about, um, you know, but in terms of kind of moving from left to right and right to left and forwards, backwards up, you know, every different way, a lot of the guys said the same thing, which is that it's just mental, which I thought was pretty unique because they all kind of had, you know, the same thing to say. It wasn't, you know, one guy just says it and you can brush it off as a cliche. They all kind of talked about this as, hey, look, this is this is a mental thing that we can all get through. And this is, you know, there, there's nothing physical kind of hindering us from moving from uh, from left to the right side. So Justin Fry, offensive line coach in his second year here, has become the king of saying absolutely nothing whatsoever with a lot of his answers to questions. So you almost hold on to it when he actually does say something because he's very good at the coach speak. I thought he gave an interesting answer to deciding how he picks who's the left tackle and who's the right tackle. And he brought up the fact that in the past, yes, it used to be you probably want your best pass protector on the left side because most teams put their best pass rusher on the right side on that side because it's they're going to put him on the blind side of the quarterback. Which is he he talked about how that's not really as true today. Guys move around. And guys have to be able to do any do a little bit of everything. But I thought the most in-depth thing he said had to do with Luke Montgomery, who is the fourth guy in this tackle conversation where you're talking about the two deep. Obviously, Tegra Shibola is in that mix as well as the left tackle, Luke Montgomery working at right tackle. And the way he talked about Luke Montgomery wasn't in a kind of verified how we've been thinking is that maybe Luke Montgomery is in the two deep this year and in a year from now let's have this conversation maybe he puts himself in a position to be a starter but he talked about how the only time he's ever had a true freshman start for him on the offensive line because he admitted just how hard this is the only true freshman he's ever had start for him was Sean Ryan who was a top 100 recruit in the 2019 recruiting class and even in that situation it wasn't by design he said that they lost a guy to concussion they had another guy have a sprained ankle so all of a sudden a kid who was just in the two deep and maybe was preparing himself to be a starter in year two was thrusted into the starting lineup on day one against Cincinnati on a road game to start the season on a Thursday night now Ryan is now with the Packers, so his career has panned out pretty well. But he told that story as a way to emphasize the point that it's really hard for two freshmen to start here. And it's also typically not the plan. So that's what, when you're asking, can Luke Montgomery put himself in a position to be a starter? That's what you're asking. You're asking him to make himself the plan to be the two freshmen starting left tackle or right tackle. And that doesn't seem to be on the table this year. But he did say, if they're ready, you got a plan. There's no timeline for when Luke Montgomery has to be ready. And so how he spoke, what Brian Day has said about Luke Montgomery, and then what we've seen with our own eyes, I think we're all in agreement of who the starting five, at least the starting four, we'll talk about sitting here after the break here, but at least the guards and the tackles. I think we all know who those guys are going to be, but Luke Montgomery is a guy that maybe we get the bowl practice and we start having a conversation. We start to look out for, can this guy 
put himself in a position where just because these are the starting tackles in 2023 doesn't mean they're going to be the starters in 2024. Nathan, does that make sense? Yeah, no, it definitely does. And, you know, the way that he talks about the way the, the level of play that it takes to operate in space. And now imagine you're having to try to do that against JT Tuomaloa and Jack Sawyer. It, mm-hmm. we, we, we try to do this. It, it, it's not fair, the, the mind reading we try to do. You, you on, on one hand, you want to take what everybody says at face value. At the same time, I think there's probably a difference between the way that they talk about being impressed by Jimmy Simmons and the way they talk about being impressed by Luke Montgomery at times because one of them is a true freshman. And then one of them, you know, Justin Fry was talking today about how Jimmy Simmons has had, you know, he's played college football before. He's been in the locker room. He's just, he's more comfortable with everything that's going on. Enoch Vamahi was talking about that, that, you know, just in the first two weeks of camp, he saw this immense growth in Simmons just in terms of because he can come in and he knows the terminology or he can pick up terminology. He can pick up calls and things like that. I know I'm straying a little bit from the Montgomery thing, but for Montgomery, he's got to get all of that foundation down. Just mm-hmm. he's got to build up all that scar tissue before he can, I think, take that next step. So I would look at it the same way that like if even over the course of the season, if something happens week eight, nine, I don't know. Is Luke Montgomery ready to start by then? I don't know. Maybe it, it's this process is going to continue to evolve. Um, but I think, again, I've always thought the most important thing is with with him. And with Tegra Shabola both, the things that you're hearing right now, how much is that helping shape next year's offensive line when you're, again, looking at two or three open spots? I think that point mattered because one of the points Fry made was even with the mid-year guys who came in, you know, in their ahead of the curve a little bit, they're still not ahead of where Jimmy Sim- Josh Simmons is at this point because he played college football before. We mentioned Tegra Shabola. Andrew, Tegra has moved around. He played guard as a true freshman. He was in a right tackle battle in the spring, and now it seems like he's at left tackle. What did he have to say about his his growth and his development heading into his second year? Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of the questioning was, you know, are you comfortable with left and right? Are you okay with playing one side or the other? You know, like I asked him, you know, he he had been talking about it for a while, <laughs> And I asked him, I said, are you more comfortable on the left or the right side? Like, do you have a preference? And I think he kind of got annoyed by that. And he was just like, I, I'm good with whatever. Like he, he was very much just kind of, you know, trying to emphasize the fact that like, Hey, look, I have played the left and the right side my entire career. I it's throughout high school. I've done this a lot. I've moved back and forth. He said to me, there's not much of a difference. It's the same scheme. It's the same everything. It's just now you're on that side. You know, the one thing that he kind of mentioned was, you know, in terms of, and this is kind of a, you know, inside baseball, you know, comment. One of the things that he talked about was, you know, being, making sure you're aware of where you're at on the field in relation to the ball, in relation to the quarterback, in relation to your defender. And, you know, one of the, and that was kind of a lot of the conversation that was had with Tegra. It was not, you know, how do you feel now? How do you feel about this particular, you know, it was, you know, moving from left and the right. And, and it kind of seems like he's kind of settled into that role at left tackle. He said that his role is not a hundred percent settled yet. We'll see. Um, you know, but it, it does kind of seem like you said, it does kind of seem like we know the starters and you would assume that he would be, you know, left tackle. But I am curious what happens if, 
you know, uh, you know, you, you get an ankle sprain in week one and on at either left or right tackle doesn't matter. And you've got to move in. Uh, you've got to move in Tegra. Like his, his relaying that he was so confident kind of playing left and the right side, you know, that didn't seem like an act. He was, it really did. I think he was more kind of curious why people were so curious about moving from the left and the right side, if that makes sense. So I think that he doesn't look at it as a big deal. And I think that that's important because if you have to move somebody left to the right side, are you comfortable playing Montgomery at tackle in week one? If you have to, you know, if second quarter rolls around and all of a sudden, you know, you need, you need to replace Fryer. Are you okay with, with Montgomery or would you rather Shibola there? So, you know, he, he seemed confident, um, but you know, for him, the left and the right side, that was, you know, the number one thing that he touched on was that, you know, this is not a big deal for him. This is something that he's pretty comfortable with. Nathan, since Justin's gotten here, he's habitually said, talking about getting the best five out there, regardless of, you know, position, he's trying to find the best five to get on the field. And he kind of went into depth again today with that, well, getting the best five and then your sixth guy, you know, he can't just, it, it doesn't just go from, oh, you're the second string left tackle. So if the left tackle goes down, that's who goes in the game. It's whoever's six in that conversation. So if your right guard goes down, then your sixth best offensive lineman goes in. If your right tackle goes in, your sixth best offensive lineman goes in. Given Tegra's first year here, where he started on the interior, he repped at right tackle, he's repping at left tackle right now. If we think we know the starting five, at least the guards and the tackles, and given what his experience is here, is he six as a guy you can plug in anywhere, whether it's guard or tackle because of that experience? Would you say he'd be sixth? I think it's one of two people that are six right now, if I had to guess, and it's either him or Enoch Vamahi. Enoch Vamahi is also mm-hmm. repped at tackle in the past. He hasn't this year. It's been all guard this mm-hmm. year, at least especially during preseason camp, the way so he's not repping at tackle right now. He would be the primary backup guard to either Jackson or or Jones if something were to go wrong there. But he has in the past. Uh, but Shibola is is clearly coming along in a way that's impressing the right people. And in fact, it was funny. I was talking to Josh Simmons off on the side, and he kind of intimated that one of the ways that he knew he was at a different level wasn't necessarily Donovan Jackson or Josh Fryer or even JT Tuomaloau and Jack Sawyer. It was Tegra Shibola. Where you look down, and you're like, well, that guy might be, is that guy second string? Like, is he fighting to be second string? <laughs> it, like, that doesn't really happen in the Mountain West or or these other leagues. You know what I mean? Like, that was where, he, that was kind of a wake-up call for him to be like, I have to be, like, that guy's that physical of a freak, and I have to be better than that. Like, I have to figure out a way to be better than that. So, that is just kind of an indication of how Shibola and his presence are affecting this offensive line sometimes in hidden ways. And it's why it's been important that as much as we've been wrapped up in the starting five and especially those tackles, because those tackle spots are so important for an offense that is supposed to drive this team, the depth was a still something that had to be solved too, that they had to raise the, the floor of the depth. And it sounds like Montgomery has, has helped do that. But Shibola is maybe the the best example of how that's happened since the spring. So we know the top. We, we probably know the top eight then. 
Well, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna exclude the center conversation. So we know the the top six of the other offensive lineman spots. If Donovan Jackson and Matthew Jones are the clear starters, and then you've got a tackle conversation that's probably being led by Jimmy Simmons and and Josh Fryer, then I, I think I agree with you there. It's probably Enoch Vamahi and Tegra Shabola up next, which then presents a which one is better, and that might be a week to week thing. So I, I agree with you. I think that. I- Six through nine might be fluid in a way that right now, who is sixth, whether it's Tegra Shabola, whether it's Enoch Vamahi, whether it's Luke Montgomery coming along, that answer might be very differently in week nine. As these Because two of these guys, Enoch's older. This is year five for him. But Tegra Shabola's in year two and Luke Montgomery's in year one. So that, that might be something that let's check back in on this in week nine and let's see how Tegra Shibola and Luke Montgomery look. And it might, like we talked about, this isn't just about this year. This is about the future and your future might be your second stringers right now. Even if right now the best options are Josh Fryer and Josh Simmons. I, I just to maybe to clarify what I was saying before, like, I don't think this is like last year where Fryer was, especially by the end of the year, we thought he was just the guy, but whatever position. Because mm-hmm. he came in and started against Indiana, and then he came in um, went at right tackle for DeWan Jones. And then when Matt Jones couldn't play against Michigan, Enoch Vamahi started that game, but then Fryer came in and sort of took over right. and, and I think had the better performance of the two that day. So that was, that's what made it clear he was the six. I think if something would happen this year, I think it's more like 2021 because Matt Jones was clearly like the utility guy there, but he wasn't going to play tackle. Somebody else was going to come in and play tackle if they needed another tackle. Probably would have been Josh Fryer. So I think it's going to be more like that, where Vamahi would be maybe the guard guy. Shibola right now would be the tackle guy because he's not repping at guard at all. It's all tackle stuff. And then the big question is, what would they really do at center if they needed a second guy? Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Back on Buckeye Talk, Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, Andrew Gillis. Andrew, you talked with Vic Cutler Transfer showed up in the spring and looked very much in over his head at times. And it seems like he has come a long way since that spring. He lost his black stripe last week and is now in a in a battle that we thought that Jacob James would come, over, come in and eventually be in that two-man battle with Carson Hensman. It would seem as if Vic Cutler has solidified himself in that battle. What did Vic have to say about his development and growth over the last couple of months here that's put him in this position? Well, I think the the funniest thing that I thought he said was that, you know, being from, you know, he grew up in, in Michigan and, you know, he mentioned that his family has, uh, he said, my family hates me now. 
that he's a Buckeye and that, uh, you know, he's got some Michigan ties. Um, he, but yeah, really great sense of humor with, with Vic. I thought he was, you know, really interesting guy and, you know, he was really open and kind of what he still needs to work on and what he's been working on. You know, when he mentioned, you know, the level of play from everything from on field to the media coverage is, is something that he said, you know, this is kind of an adjustment for me. You know, he talked about how dudes are bigger, faster, stronger, how this is a different game. You know, he talked about how, you know, when he transferred, he was like, I called one of my friends and I was like, you have no idea how many interviews I just did in an hour. Like he talked about kind of the the process of going from ULM to Ohio State and how this was a major, major deal. You know, so I think with, um, you know, that was a big thing. You know, he's kicking out or kicking in, excuse me, from the uh, outside to the inside. And he's, he's obviously playing on the interior now as he was playing at, at tackle at ULM. So, you know, one of the things for him was that, you know, he's like, look, I you know, it's hard to handle some of these bigger guys. It's hard to handle some of these powerful, you know, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, bull rush type guys. Um, you know, that's something that is different for him. You know, at offensive tackle, you're on an island. Everybody knows, everybody sees the defensive end and the offensive tackle and the one-on-one pass rush. But on the interior, it's a little bit different. You have guys with different moves. You have, you know, you have help on the left and right of you. You have guys that can pass off, you know, defenders left and right. Um, so this is a whole big adjustment for him. He's learning snapping, said he wants to get to a point where snapping and then blocking feels normal. It's still kind of like a two-step process for him. He wants this to feel like a more natural flow of things. And, you know, there's a lot going on in Vic's life in terms of, uh, you know, his ability to move from, from, you know, everything that he was there last year to, to this year. And, you know, like I said, really cool guy. And, um, you know, I think, the the moment of this is still kind of registering with him. You know, I mentioned the on-field stuff where he's learning how to play against Big Ten elite players and he's learning how to play and, you know, on an offense that has expectations to be one of the best in the country. And, you know, he mentioned, he was like, yesterday I was just sitting around and, you know, I was like, oh my God, we're third in the AP poll. I play for the third ranked team in the country. This is really cool. So like there, there is still that moment of, or there are still those moments, I should say, for him of kind of grasping what this entire atmosphere is like. So it's a work in progress. And I think he, he'd be the first one to tell you that. But, um, you know, like you said, it, it does sound like he's getting there and it sounds like he's kind of learning a lot both on and, on and off the field. Nathan was among those interviews in the spring that he probably did within that hour. So, you know, he was, yeah, he was a pretty there busy guy. Carson Hensman, I, I I, I was there for all the Carson Hensman and not as far as getting used to being around in an Ohio state bubble. I think he's, I mean, he's a recruit. He was a borderline top one of recruits. So he was used to that, but he was talking about how last a day, I think he said a week from the day as we were talking to them on Tuesday from his first ever time snapping as a center because he played tackle and all he, he was coming here to play in offensive line, but he didn't know he was going to be a center. So that was the first time he had ever taken a snap as a center. He didn't take a snap, snap as a first steering center until bowl practice prep and then in the spring. And I was asking him just about his growth and development and just getting accustomed to that. And he brought up, he told a story about the first snap he ever took in the spring. He said, he looked up, he said that, he said that, um, Justin Fryer was Fryer was just going to baptize him by fire. Just throw him out there with the starters and let's see what happens. He said he looked up and on his left, he saw my call. 
And to his right, he saw Ty Hamilton and he said, oh, okay, <laughs> this is, uh, is going to be fun. And then he got nervous and he snapped the ball over Kyle McCord's head. And that was his first ever snap. And from there going forward has been, one, just getting comfortable going against that level of talent, but also just getting comfortable as a center and every all the responsibilities that go with that. Because I asked Justin Fry just the differences between last year you had a second-year starter and Luke, Luke Whipler, and maybe you could give him more on his plate at the line of scrimmage versus now – whether it's Vic Cutler or it's going to be Carson Hensman, it's going to be a guy new to this who's never had to do this as a starter at any level at the center position. And does it change? And in more ways than one, he was like, no, it's still, you know, what's your front? What's the defensive front? What's your technique? It's a very simple thing that they give to these guys. Now, Luke Whipple was just further along, so maybe he could do that quicker. While with a young guy, he said, you look at a safety back there, it might be a fuzzy guy. While if you're more experienced, you know, oh, that's a safety, that's a linebacker, that's this, that's that, and the third. And so you're dealing with two centers in a situation who are still getting accustomed to being in this position. But for both of these guys, it seems like they've made impressive strides. Nathan, I guess the question for you is, because you were kind of over there with Carson Hensman too. Does that seem like a guy, if he's the winner of this job, who's ready to do this, right? The similar situation to Luke Whipple where you didn't think he was going to be your guy, but he got thrown into this. Are you, from what Carson Hensman was saying, maybe you went back and listened to what Vic Cutler was saying, are you confident in what the center play is going to be regardless of who it is? I don't know about confident. Uh, but I think there's a reasonable expectation that they'll they'll figure something out here. You know, Whipler wasn't a completely seamless transition. The thing that Whipler had going for him, though, was like who was around him. You know, Paris Johnson was mm-hmm. still playing guard at that time. Thayer Munford, a four year starter, had gotten bumped inside to guard, and then you had you know NFL tackles on either end. So. Now, Whipler's job, the center's job, is so unique that he maybe doesn't get as much help in some ways. Like he's got some, he's got things on his plate that other offensive linemen don't. But it was still that made the transition a little bit easier. Now, I, it does help. I think it's better for Ohio State that it is trying to have a first-time center with veteran guards then it would be a first-time center with veteran tackles, and you're breaking in. If the big question mark was guard, you know what I mean? If they're still trying to mm-hmm. figure out who's going to be a guard. I think this gives him a little bit more security, having Jackson and Jones on either side of him. But I think it's still something that has to be proven, because again, you know, he's talking about how recently all these things, the snapping has come to him, and it's not like it's necessarily rocket science, but if you're a guy who's been doing it for two, three years before you get your shot, it's easier than if you've been doing it for eight months before you get your shot. So that's just the basic physical thing. And I know he was talking about some of the adjustments you have to make because you know you're playing this. You're playing this sport with one hand. Everybody else is playing it with two, that kind of thing. Like that, mm-hmm. it, it adds a degree of difficulty. But then there's all of the cerebral stuff. There's all the things you have to be able to read when you walk up to a line of scrimmage. The communication that you have with the other offensive linemen, with the quarterback. That's why I think they need to start making some decisions pretty soon. I think you almost need the decision at center before you need the others, right? Because I feel like you want to start locking in, although I guess the, the counter to that would be you can't – everything I'm saying is true as long as you also have a quarterback pick. So maybe they mm-hmm. just need to decide – that's the thing that needs to be decided on the same day. You'll figure out your quarterback and your center, let them go 
snap extra with each other, whatever. Get that get that repetition built up because we saw a couple times Luke Whipler, CJ Stroud, they had some things to figure out very early in that season. We certainly saw even the year before when Harry Miller had to move over in a crunch that it wasn't a seamless transition. And this is Hensman's had much more time to, to to grow into this than 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 that. And this has been his full time position now since the since last season. But I think it's still it does still remain to be seen how how seamless it's going to be. I think that we've talked so much about tackle, and I've tried to just keep reminding people like, hey, don't don't assume that center just because it, you're not up against a defensive end every time. Because think about it, like there's a lot of teams right now uh, that are very worried about the defensive tackle that they're going to line up across from at Ohio State, mm-hmm. right? And there's going to be some guys like that on this scale. Not, maybe not quite to that level, but guys that people are going to have to worry about, guys that these interior guys are going to have to worry about on this schedule too. I thought the, the Hensman point's a valid one, especially when it comes to Luke Whipple, because, I mean, his Penn State game in 21 wasn't great. You know, a lot of those, you know, and snap infraction penalties that he was having early on in his career there. Justin Fry did talk about how it's something they're, they want to start finalizing some stuff this week. And he does feel confident that they're headed in that direction. So it, they know the names, and now it's like one or two, one or two, one or two. It's at this point, I think the, the top eight, I think we know. And now it's finalizing who's going to be in what position. He didn't bring up Donovan Jackson's name much on this pod because. I mean, he's a second-year starter, former five-star recruit who's on a, a, the path he's supposed to be on. And this summer, this offseason for him has just been more, as Justin Fry put, just being comfortable being more vocal because he's a nice kid. He's just a very violent football player. So that'll wrap up the offensive line. As you're listening to this, we'll be back at the Woody talking with tight ends. That's Coach Keenan Bailey, Kate Stover. G. Scott, Joe Royer, potentially Bennett Christian, Sam Hart, on down that list. Sign up for the text 614-350-3315. All that information coming to your phone first. Two-week free trial. This is a great time to be getting in on that as we get closer and closer to that September 2nd season opening date against Indiana. So for Nathan, for Andrew, I'm Steven, and that was Buckeye Talk.